Hey, Pathway, wasn't that an awesome time of worship? I'm just assuming that as God shows up every Sunday that he just did it again. I'm on my annual summer break and just wanted to say hi and let you know that in this series that we're in, Generations, we have the awesome opportunity to hear from some of our pastors and staff leaders that are leading the different generations. Today, you're gonna hear from James, who is uh, the upper school chaplain at Masters Academy and is also our youth group's assistant co-director as well with the School of Leadership and uh, just an incredible Bible teacher. And as you hear from him and his heart today, I hope you're inspired. I mean, we're headed into July 4th week to a holiday. And the reality is we have a lot to celebrate in our country and the freedoms that we're offered, but there's also this freedom in Christ that comes when we follow Jesus by faith that changes everything. So I pray and hope that today inspires you in your walk with Jesus. And I just wanna lift you up for a minute. So let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you for who you are, the freedoms we're afforded in this country, but most importantly, the freedom that we find in you, Jesus Christ. Father, bless James today as he brings the message from Hebrews 11. I pray that you would uh, just bring a fresh anointing on him, that hearts and minds would be open to receive, and that we would, through every generation, follow by faith that pathway. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great morning. Independence Day weekend. As Brian has already shared, my name is James Flaming, and I have the pleasure of serving with Masters Academy as our campus chaplain and Pathway Church in the youth and young adult ministry. Um, I shared a couple of weeks ago with Pastor Nate up here. It's been a, a blessing to be a part of the ministry at this capacity, um, seeing the Lord work in this way. So I'm pumped also to minister in this capacity as well with you guys, with the older folk, the seasoned folk. Um, I'm not sure what wisdom I can give, but we'll try. The Lord will obviously be speaking. Um, but to start things off, I want to do a little activity. You know, you hang around with Pastor Nate for long enough, you realize there's got to be an activity with everything. So I'm um, just playing. Love you, Pastor Nate. Um, so it's, we're a month into the summer, right? All the students are freaking out. Summer is, you know, almost halfway done. Um, so if you're anything like me during summer break, my, my brain gets a little bit, um, what's it called? Lax. A little lazy, and I don't know if any of you guys suffer with that summer break fog as well. So I want to start with a little activity to get our brains fired up this morning, because we had a lot to unpack in the book of Hebrews, and I want us to be firing on all cylinders. So I'm going to give you a movie reference, okay? I'm going to do my best to impersonate the movie reference. Like, I'm going to go into full character, or at least try to. You can, you can laugh at me later. And then you just got to shout out what movie it's from. That's it. Simple, all right? So just shout out the movie once you know it. I'll start off with an easy one, or at least I I think it's an easy one. Akuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Yes, Lion King. And I think we have pictures. There you go. Simone and Pumbaa. There you go. Great song. All right, next one. Here we go. 
Yeah, I didn't even have to say anything else. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Yes, classic. It pains me. Oh, you middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room, every time I ask someone to raise their hand if they've seen Star Wars, the hands get fewer and fewer as years go by. Parents, educate your children. <laughs> All right, next one, next one. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yes, you guys are finishing it. Let's go. Princess Bride, shout out to my dad. I feel like this is the only movie he ever watched. Um, if he was, wasn't quoting Bible verses, it was... Uh, Princess Bride quotations. Inconceivable. <laughs> All right, next one. This one's going to be tough. I'm going to try my best. I'll do a little uh, acting here. My precious. Yes, Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of scary characters in that show or that movie, but this one probably scared me the most. It kept me up as a kid. I'm sorry if there's kids in the room. We gotta, we'll quickly get the slide off that one soon. All right, and, the, and our last one today. It's probably the hardest one. But if we got some true fans, you're going to get like that. It's like, oh, that wasn't hard. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a professional nerd. Here we go. Why so serious? Yes, The Dark Knight. There we go. Joker. Yes, raise your hand if you've seen The Dark Knight. Yes, there we go. Great movie. If you haven't, I got your uh, afternoon plan settled for you. All right. So this one, actually, the one with that Joker, why so serious, that line actually resonates with me a lot. You're thinking, okay, <laughs> who's speaking right now? We got a psychopath character that resonates with the, the speaker. Okay, don't worry, we'll hang on for a second, hang on for a second. The question, why so serious, is a question I say to myself a lot, okay? If you know the backstory of the quotation, it's kind of dark and sinister, I won't get into all that, but it's a question I ask myself a lot. James, why so serious? Not even, I even pictured Joker just saying it right in front of my face. Why so serious? Why so serious? I say that a lot because a lot of times I take myself so seriously. I take myself so seriously. I'm like, I'm so worried. I don't want to look funny. I don't want to look awkward. I don't want to look like the weird guy. Ah, ah, right? And it stops me from doing a lot of things the Lord calls me to do. And I'm just sitting there to myself thinking, James, why so serious? It doesn't matter how you're perceived. It doesn't matter how you feel, right? Because if you're anything like me, I feel like one of the biggest phobias in our world right now is a fear of awkwardness. We just don't want to be awkward. Nobody just likes being awkward. No one enjoys it unless you're that one guy that, I love being awkward, and you're just a natural at it. Okay, great. For the most of us, we don't enjoy being awkward. It's a phobia. And it's a, it's a generational problem. I thought it was something that I would get over after the high school years, right? Yay, no more awkward high school dances. Woo! No more awkwardness. Yeah. It's funny, actually. Nothing, nothing has changed in high school. I had the pleasure of being a teacher for four years, these past four years, and I got to chaperone the high school dances. It's still the same. Everybody's just sitting there awkwardly. It's mostly the guys. The girls have the, the um, what's it called? The confidence to dance, but the guys are just sitting there because they're too afraid to look awkward. I assume, or they just I don't, really don't like dancing. And I'm just like, man, you look more awkward over there, Jimmy, munching on those cheeses in that dark corner than you do if you were on the dance floor. Just, just go on the dance floor. It's okay. It's, it's, it doesn't matter if you feel awkward. And now that I'm in, my second, in the second quarter of life, past that 25 threshold, I realize I'm still battling with this fear of looking awkward right? If there's anything that has a 1% chance, even a 0.5% chance of making me look awkward, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit this one out, right? I mean, my friends tried to introduce me to pickleball recently. I'm like, ah, that's a new sport. I like looking, I like to win. I like looking good. So I'm not going to try that. And finally I, I did it. And it's actually a fun sport. If you ever, if you ever want to get into a hobby, pickleball is where it's at. 
A lot of times, a lot of us sit in our hands because, man, I just don't want to look weird. I don't want to look awkward. And it's a phobia um, that is an issue if we want to live by faith. Another illustration of a demonstration of um, how this is prevalent in uh, at least the high schoolers that I work with. Um, I had the uh, opportunity to work at a summer camp last summer, and I took three of my students with me, and it was a great time. And we're going to be going all summer in upstate New York, and I'm like, I had this genius idea. Ah, Leo, let's create a summer vlog documenting our adventures so we can look back at them, people can watch them, woohoo, right? They're like, yeah, vlog, 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 vlog. They're pumped about the vlog. We're, we're in the car ride. Yeah, we're going on a, yeah, we're going on a vlog. Yo, yo, what's up, party people? Headed to the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, woo, yeah. Soon as we stepped into Orlando International Airport, it's kind of funny how the demeanor changed pretty quickly. Yo, 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 we're in International Airport and we're going to go to Albany International Airport. Wait, where are you guys going? They're all like, they're all like ducking, like, we, we don't know that guy, right? Because it looked awkward. Even when we got to camp, they're like, James, James, please don't make us look weird when we get there. Like, please, we love the vlog, but don't go over the top. And funny story, ironically, everyone loved the vlog. Everyone at the camp loved the vlog and wanted to be on the vlog. It's like, you thought I would make us look awkward. All right. Funny how the tables have turned. All right. So awkwardness, right? Sometimes we, what I want to demonstrate today and the point I want to communicate today as we turn into the book of Hebrews is that generations that live by faith do not take themselves too seriously. If you are the type of person that I just described, like me, like those kids, right, that are too afraid to take a step of faith and look a little awkward, that's a problem if you want to be a generation that lives by faith. And I want to demonstrate that, that point this morning as we turn to the book of Hebrews, so if you have Bibles, which I hope you do, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 8 through 12. Hebrews chapters 11, verses 8 through 12. I believe there's Bibles in the scene in front of you. It will also be on the screen. But let me go ahead and pray over the text today as you're turning there. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word, God. Thank you that we can have fun. Uh, ultimately, we want to be challenged, convicted about what you have for us today. Encouraged even, God with what your word has for us today as we, as we unpack this living um, generations that live by faith, not taking ourselves too seriously in order to walk in the lifestyle and the plans that you have for us. Open our hearts and minds to your word. Let's just focus solely on that. Clear all distractions aside so we can just hear the heartbeat behind the words that you inspired to be written down. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So our text today is Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 12. I want to go ahead and read the full text, and then we'll unpack it. So follow along with me. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Important point right there. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents. Big camp out. With Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore." Lots to unpack. Let's go to point number one if you're taking notes. Living by faith means obeying God even when you do not know all the details. Not taking yourself too seriously means trusting in God 
when you're wandering on a backpacking trip through the desert that we're going to see here with Abraham. Now, I don't want to assume everybody knows who Abraham is, so let's go back to Genesis where we see Abraham first step on the scene. Just curious, does anyone know what chapter in Genesis Abraham is first talked about? Just shout it out if you know. little Bible quiz, trivia. You just say any number. 13, I think I heard 13. You're so close. Genesis 12. This will be on the screen if you want to turn there. We're going to be there for a minute as well. So I would advise you to turn if you have your physical Bible with you. So let's read about Abraham. Abraham, um, the father of faith, as Paul describes him in Romans 4. Very important dude. Considered, um, in fancy language, one of the patriarchs of the um, Abrahamic covenant. Uh, The patriarchs being uh, Abraham, Isaac, um, Jacob, and Joseph. Um, So let's go ahead and read the scripture where he is first called out by God. Something just to know, Abraham was not a follower of God until God called him out. And we'll see his immense faith as we read this story. So Genesis 12 verses 1 through 4 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, his his name later becomes changed to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Here's just a little side note. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So let's just not gloss over that like I was in the habit of when I read the Old Testament as a kid. That's a a big statement, what um, God is asking Abraham to do, and then Abraham's obedience to follow through on what God had to do. You know, Abraham had it pretty comfortably. Um, Scholars say that he's pretty wealthy. He has a lot of livestock. And this guy's 75 years old. I know they lived a little older back then, but 75 years old is still 75 years old and not, you know, prime age for a big um, hiking trip. And uh, so if we have a map, I have a map pulled up here. This is a, um, a picture of where, how far Abraham traveled. The first circle on top is Haran. And then the, uh, the circle on the bottom is where he traveled to, right off the border of Egypt. Now there's a little key on the bottom, so we can get a little estimation of how long this journey was. So roughly, it was a 600 mile walk, right? This isn't just a walk in the park. This is like a long walk. Like he's 75 years old, Abraham, can your walker handle this terrain, right? Type of walk. And the Lord just says, go. And obviously we have the benefit of hindsight to see where he ends up, but Abraham, Abraham has no idea where he's going. This guy's like, go. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> James, go. And you just keep walking, walking, walking. Um, estimation, it would have taken eight and a half days to get to his destination before God's like, stop! All right, this is the place, right? Eight and a half days of walking by faith. You know, what, at what point on the journey, on the road trip, do you think God told Abraham, all right, you're getting close. Like Abraham's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's like day one. All right, all right, this is a little more intense than I anticipated. Day five rolls on. Okay, what's going on? <laughs> what's that, was that voice I heard God or just the, the bad meal I ate earlier? What, what's going on here, right? It's day seven. Day eight, man, we're halfway through day eight. And God's like, ah! Here we go. The land I promised you. The land of Canaan. Have you ever felt like you're wandering for miles with no direction? The Lord just said go, and they're like, all right, I'm going to be obedient. And you go, but you have no idea where you're going. Well, you're in good company, my friends. Abraham had no roadmap, no details, no nothing. And he just followed the Lord and walked for eight and a half days. <laughs> like, man, I don't know if I would do that if I'm being honest with you. 
But he didn't take himself too seriously, right? Because nobody just walks 600 miles aimlessly, especially when you have it good, your business is going well, whatever Abraham did as his trade, and just gave that all up just to walk around the desert, get a good tan or something, right? And it's interesting. As we're reading that book, if you're part of the study, Experiencing God, that we do on Wednesday nights, or if you are reading it on your own, raise your hand if you're reading that book, The Experiencing God, you're part of the study reading your book. Okay, sweet, hands everywhere, awesome. It was funny, you know, I was reading it with you guys as well, and the first day that we read, I was getting a little annoyed at Blackaby, not gonna lie. Like, Blackaby, watch yourself. You're taking my message I'm about to preach in a couple weeks. Like, everyone's going to already know what I'm about to say, right? But it's so good. I had had to insert the quote. I I challenge you to go read back to day one for the full context. But this quote comes from that day one uh, of the Experiencing God book. And it says this. This is what Blackaby says. Many times, as with Abram, God called people to simply follow him. He is much more likely to ask you to follow him one day at a time than he is to spell out the details before you begin to obey him. And if you're anything like me, I don't, I don't really like that, right? Anyone else not like that? Like, I don't like one day at a time type stuff. I like having a plan, I like mapping things out, you know, like if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's a Bible verse or somewhere, right? And God's like, no, I'm gonna plan, you just follow. I'm like, oh, right? That's like, that's counterintuitive to me, right? As someone who like thinks logically, like I wanna be efficient, God. You know how much impact we could have if we did this, 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 and this, and we just do it my way? God's like, sit back, know your role, and follow me, right? And take a leap of faith. But those of us who take ourselves too seriously will not follow God if we don't know the end result, if we don't know the plans, if we don't know the execution, right? If you're anything like me. I mean, again, imagine how awkward it was for Abraham. Just think of Abraham back then, right? He goes out, here's a random voice in the desert. He goes back to his family. He's like, you know what, guys? I'm just going to leave everything I have, everything I've acquired. I'm pretty much in retirement at this point. I'm 75 years old for crying out loud. But I'm going to go and just wander yonder to a random place in the desert. And I was like, man, Abraham, did you take your medication today? Like, what's going on? Right? Everyone probably thought that was a little strange, a little weird, right? They didn't believe in God. They're pagans. They had idols. They this random God, the voice, the voice God from the desert, right, has told you to do what? All right, you do that, Abraham. So how awkward it was. But living by faith, living as generations by faith means following God even when we don't know all the details, right? Even when it seems a little strange, a little weird, a little awkward, right? God calls us to some awkward scenarios sometimes, and if you take yourself too seriously, you're not going to fall through. If I take myself too seriously, I'm not going to follow through. As we transition a little bit into the next point, I do want to address something. Because you can read these stories. I grew up reading, uh, having my mom, mom read to us kids when we were homeschooled. Um, missionary stories after missionary stories. It's just like example after example of great faith. And it's like, wow, that seems like crazy, like ludicrous faith. Like, what's going on? And I just want to quickly, quickly uh, put some parameters. Not that I want to put parameters around God. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But I just want to, I want to talk how walking in faith and walking in wisdom are not, are not contrary. They're like, oh, you either walk in wisdom or you walk by faith, right? Because God, God's for planning. Don't get me wrong. I know I was making fun of planning. Um, if, you plan, if you fail to plan, you will plan to fail. Like that, that's a real principle that we can see in Scripture elsewhere. So God's not like anti-plans, anti-dreams, anti-vision, you know, uh, right? We, we clearly have vision um, here at Pathway Church. We're obviously from the Lord, right? So God's not anti that. So I want to, I wanna, our second point, if you're taking notes, is living by faith is not the absence of wisdom. 
Faith and wisdom are not opposites. Logical reasoning and walking by the Spirit are not contradictory. It feels like it's sometimes an either or with a both and, right? We walk by the Spirit, trusting Him. We also use our noggin, common sense, that He has given us. You don't, you don't neglect that and push it aside, right? And get some like spiritual trance where the Lord takes you up and shows you divine things. No, it's not. It's not that's, we create like a false dichotomy where faith and wisdom are contrary to truth. At least I did. Right, so let me illustrate it to you. Funny example, but I think it's the point across. Um, when I was in middle school and high school, my friends and I would always go to South Beach off of 17th Street Bridge. I mean, I feel like we went like every day one summer. It was crazy, right? And we played a game in the water called Nemo. Raise your hand if you ever played the game Nemo. I don't know if this is an original game that we created or if this is like an actual like thing. Um, but the point of the game is who could swim out the farthest, right? Whoever swims out the farthest is the winner. Like Nemo, because he went, you know, you know the movie, right? And for some reason, I was really good at this game, right? And I like to think it was because of my great faith, right? I was just a boy with wonder faith, right? Because a lot of people don't go very deep. Why? Because they're afraid of, you know, the deep water. They're afraid of sharks. That was the biggest thing. And me, little James, was like, man, you know, if God wants me to get eaten by a shark, it would happen regardless if I was 100 yards out or 10 yards out. So let's go, right? I mean, I just have to, I'm out there. Where's your faith, right? I'm going to win, right? And I'm just like, I'm just so, I'm just filled with faith. Call me Paul, right? If Paul was swimming out here, he'd be, he'd be 200 yards out, right? So much faith, right? Is that faith or foolishness? I mean, if you asked me back then, I'm like, faith, obviously. No, it's foolishness, right? Just because God knows how I'm going to die. Da, 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 da. Doesn't mean I can go out and test him. Like, hey, am I going to get you by a shark today, God? I don't know. Is that in your will, right? No, faith and Reason go together. Another example, when I was finally old enough to understand how health insurance worked, I'm like, this is a bunch of baloney. Where's the faith, people? You're telling me I pay X amount of dollars every month just in case I get hurt or injured or I have to go to the doctor. Are you kidding me? Where's the faith in that? It sounds like we're trusting something else over here, right? And I'm like, man, what if I never get hurt? What if I never get injured? That's a waste of money. It could be given towards like a sponsored child or something in Africa, right? Like, where's the faith? And if I do get hurt, can I just trust God to heal me when it happens, right? And I'm like, man, I just, yeah. inner tension. I'm like, yeah, health insurance, Ugh, that's not biblical, right? Um, the next year, the next year, I got, no joke, I had three surgeries. <laughs> three injuries that required surgery. I'm like, oh, thank you for health insurance. Woo! God's gift from heaven. <laughs> that deductible would have been rough. All right. So health insurance, great thing, right? That's not anti-God, anti-trust in God. One last example. I'm being facetious a little bit here. I hope you get the point, right? Because I feel like we can go to one extreme, either live by faith, we're like, forget, throw caution to the wind. Faith, let's go. When the guy's like, whoa, 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 right? And you've got to discern between that. Another example, God, we're just saying about it. God's our shield, our protector, our fortress, strong deliverer, hoorah, right? Yeah, God, so strong. Why do you lock your doors at night? Why do we have a security team here at Pathway? Is God's arm too short to, to protect us here at Pathway? Obviously, I'm being silly, right? No. You use wisdom. You trust God. He's going to sovereignly protect in the way he wants to protect. But it's funny. Usually, the means by which he protects us is through the security team, right? So it wasn't the security team. It was God working in the security team to protect us, right? I've heard it illustrated this way, and I'll go quick on this one. Um, there's a story of a guy who was, who was uh, stranded out at sea, you know, like Life of Pi style, right? He's out at sea, bobbling in the water, and there's no land all around him. He's like, God, he's a man of faith. God, deliver me. Save me from this storm. Save me from this trial. A boat comes by and offers help. He's like, no, 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 no. God's going to save me. You just, you just go back, go back, whatever. All right, so Bob, God, save me, right? Another boat comes by. 
can I help you? He's like, no, 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 no. God will save me. Like, okay, all right, God will save me. A few moments later, a helicopter comes. Sir, we will save you. Grab onto the ladder. No, God will save me. Eventually, the storm is crazy. It sweeps over his life raft. He drowns, goes to heaven. He's like, God, where were you? God's like, I sent three vessels to you. It's not my fault that you didn't choose to accept the means by which I wanted to save you, right? So it's the wisdom of human. I believe all wisdom is God's wisdom. Um, so if God is operating, one is what's the word? If he's using your reasoning skills in conjunction with trusting him with the details, that's, that's how you experience the tension of walking in faith and walking in wisdom. But here's a little caveat, and I really don't like it. I'm not sure if you will either, but I think it's important to know. Let's go back to our text here, and it's the third point. Faith is not the absence of wisdom, but God's wisdom might be absent of your understanding. I'm like, no, oh, faith is not the absence of wisdom. I like that part, God, because I think I'm a pretty wise dude, right? But God's wisdom might be absent of my understanding. Or going back to that thing where I don't know all the details, God. Not a fan of that. I, I try to share that in the first point. Um, but that, God's wisdom many times will supersede our human understanding. In fact, God's divine wisdom will at times, and we don't like this, will look like foolishness to the world, Right? We sometimes esteem ourselves, or I esteem myself sometimes again. You know what? Some Christians just make themselves look weird because they're just weird. It's nothing to do with their Christianity, nothing to do with their faith. I can, I can hold the tension, right? Where I can look good to the world and I'm also faithful to the Lord. Guys, this comes a point, no matter how good you think you look, if you're being faithful to the Lord, it's going to look weird to the world. It's going to look weird abstaining from sexual immorality before marriage. It's going to look weird tithing your money. Like, why are you tithing your money? You made that money, right? It's going to look weird walking in holiness. It's going to look weird serving others and not seeking to be served. It doesn't matter how much, you're going to look awkward eventually, right? And Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's not going to be on the screen, so listen up or, or write it in your, in your notes. 1 Corinthians verses 1, 20 through 25. It says, where's the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. What is this saying? God's wisdom might look foolish from a worldly perspective, but trust me, it ain't foolish. It's the wisest course of action we'll ever see. God's wisdom might be absent of your and my, my understanding, but we follow it anyway. From a worldly perspective, it looks like an uncalculated risk, and you're throwing caution to the wind, but we trust God, whose wisdom supersedes our understanding, and though we walk in this tension of wisdom and faith, sometimes we just got to step out in faith and you, you can't see the wisdom part. And it's rough. I feel that, right? But when you trust in God and not on your own devices, that's where miraculous power, that's where an intimate relationship with God comes from. But if you're just sitting on your hands, I don't want to look awkward, I want to take risks, then that's not, there's going to be no depth to your relationship and trust to the Lord. And this is a huge hang up for a lot of us. 
And you know, I don't completely understand the mission, God, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wait until you give more pieces. I'm gonna wait until the next season comes out, right? Um, when you give those details. There's no record, going back to our text, of Abraham questioning God. Sure, he might have questioned God off script that we don't have in the the Bible, but from what we see, there's no, there's no debating with God. Like, well, God, did you, did you think all this through? Did you, do you know that I'm 75 years old and, you know, I don't really walk like I used to, right? Do you realize I have a lot of livestock? You know how much time it's going to take traveling all my livestock? Do you know it's pretty dangerous in the desert, right? We don't have desert cops, right? It's like, it's pretty crazy, right? It's a far draw, it's a far walk. What about rain? Have you thought about rain? Umbrellas haven't been invented yet, man. Like, I'm not trying to get wet out there in the soggy rain, right? There's no, there's none of that. In Genesis 12, it says, then the Lord said to Abraham, go. And in verse four, it says, so Abraham went. Go and went. That's it. There's nothing, there's nothing else to, to, to be said. And if you know the story of Abraham, you know that the 600-mile hike isn't even the craziest part of what God asked him, right? That's like junior varsity-level faith. The next part is like, woo, all right, God, I thought you were crazy with the big hike. Now you're saying I'm going to have a kid as a 75-year-old sterile dude, right? Nobody was singing, Abraham had many sons, and many sons had father. Nobody was singing that back then, right? <laughs> that song was not on anybody's podca um, podcast or um, Spotify account. No, 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 because this man was sterile. This man cannot have kids. And I love how the, the author of Hebrews put it. If you go back to the author of Hebrews, he says, therefore... From one man, and that's him as good as dead, right? We're born to send us as many as the stars of the heavens. Like I see Abraham up there like, wow, he really had to do me dirty like that? As good as dead? You can like apply a euphemism in there and make it sound a little less um, dramatic. Excuse me. No, his body was as good as dead. And it was like, that was exactly the point. God wanted to show his glory, show the infinite of his wisdom, though it did not make any sense to Abraham, you want him to step out in faith. What are some things that are good as dead in your life that God wants you to take a step of faith in? You know, my relationship with my dad is as good as dead, so I'm not even going to try and make amends with that. You know, my coworker's faith in the Lord is as good as dead. I'm not going to try telling him about Jesus. You know, my time, my time, man. I'm a busy guy, busy guy. My time's as good as dead. There's no way I can serve or volunteer or anything like that. My money, God, oh, it's as good as dead. I'm not going to be generous to others. It's as good as dead. Oh, what if I look awkward trying to evangelize to my coworker whose faith is as good as dead? What if it's awkward for me to step out in faith and raise my hands in worship? What if it's awkward me trying to relate to a high schooler and try to uh, use his language and his jargon to relate with him? Isn't that going to look awkward, God? And God's just like, why so serious? Stop thinking about how it's going to make you look and start being faithful. Stop trying to give me um, advice on how to do things and just be obedient. And it's, it's tough. So why so serious? You know, if Abraham took himself too seriously, he would have never told his family about the big family tree God promised to him. I mean, just think about it. They're, he's sterile. They can't have kids. You know, that kind of, that must have hurt, right? It's like, God, you're really going to go there you're going to bring up the pain that me and my wife has gone through for like 50 years, and now you're going to say we're going to have a kid? It sounds like a cruel joke, right? Like, you're going to have a kid, Abraham. It's like, ah, good one, God, right? It's, it's awkward, right? I mean, imagine Abraham and, their, and, their, uh, and Sarai going to their family. Like, you know what? God promised us a kid. And, all, and the family knows, man, this has, been a, this has been a valley for them for so long. Like, what are they, what are they saying? 
like, why would they, why would they say they're going to have a kid? That's kind of awkward. Like, obviously, you're not having a kid, Abraham. Hello, we've tried this multiple times, right? And God's, but Abraham, man, he takes it in faith. It's amazing, right? It's like, what? Man, it's so cool. Abraham did not take himself too seriously. So we should not take ourselves too seriously as well and miss out on what the Lord has for us. But here's the thing, guys. Maybe you have been taking yourself too seriously. Maybe I've been taking myself too seriously and have not been walking out in faith. But there is a, um, a comfort in the story of Abraham. And it leads me to my fourth point. Those who live by faith may experience seasons of faithlessness. If you know, if you know the story of Abraham, you, you, you know he doesn't have a really good track record for being a faithful guy. It's quite interesting. It's, I mean, I find it a little comical a little bit, right? You got, you got Paul saying in Romans 4, Abraham's the father of our faith, right? And you see Abraham's life is like, man, he really wasn't that faithful, right? If you go to Genesis 16, I'm just referencing it. They don't believe God will produce a son through Sarah. So Sarah offers her servant Hagar to create a line through them. Sad story. Super sad story. It's like, ooh, why isn't, what, isn't this in the Bible? Like, what is this, right? It shows this, Abraham's faithlessness, right? And that creates a whole big mess that God has to clean up. Two accounts in Genesis 12 and 20, Abraham lies about Sarah being his wife. Apparently she was smoking hot or something. I mean, you can read the text, right? He's like, I'm worried that Pharaoh will kill me to have you as his wife, right? And he doesn't trust God to, you know, protect him. So two times he lies about Sarah being his sister when in fact it was his wife, right? Abraham doesn't, doesn't have a clean record of like 100% faithfulness, right? But still, nevertheless, he ends up in Hebrews 11 in the hall of faith, right? And I don't know about you, but that gives me comfort to know that Abraham, a man who took himself too seriously on several occasions, was still able to be redeemed, restored, forgiven, and is even raised to the status of father of faith to the glory of God. It's amazing. And just to think, if Abraham gave up, I'm sure, I'm sure he wanted to throw in the towel at some point, right? Man, God promised me a kid, not delivering. This is cruel of him, right? Like, I've been struggling with this all my life, never had a kid. I tried to produce one through, through Hagar. And, but he, instead of just like throwing the towel, he trusts God. And thank goodness he did, guys, because if you know, if you know Abraham and if you know his lineage, um, from Abraham comes a, a, a guy named Judah. Um, and then later generations, a guy named King David. Right? And then later in generations comes a guy named King Josiah, another godly king. And then later down the line, Nehemiah, in uh, the book of Nehemiah, we, see, we read about a guy named Zerubbabel, which came from Abraham. And then eventually, a couple of generations later, a guy named Joseph comes from Zerubbabel. And you know what? Joseph marries this chick named Mary, and Mary has a kid named Jesus. And if it wasn't for Abraham's faithfulness, we wouldn't have the Messiah that we worship today. And then Jesus came, and in every area where we were faithless, he was faithful. And though we took ourselves too seriously, Jesus didn't take himself too seriously, and was willing to step down from glory, his rightful place up in heaven, and to dwell as a servant, it says in Philippians 2, and to bear likeness like a man, even though he was God, and to be stripped of all that, and to be on a cross for the sins of all the world, Jesus did not take himself too seriously. And thank God he didn't, right? Because that would mean no salvation for you and I, no relationship for you and I. And now Jesus is extending that same thing to you. James, will you take yourself so seriously and choose not to have a relationship with me? Because people say it's weird that you have a relationship with a cosmic being out there. Are you going to listen to that and take yourself so seriously that you're not going to enter a relationship with me? I want you. I want to adopt you. We sang about it. But if you take yourself too seriously, you won't enter into that saving relationship. And Jesus is crying out, stop. Why so serious? 
Stop taking yourself so seriously. And there's an opportunity today, if that is you, that you want to take that step with Jesus, where you're like, all right, I'm not taking myself serious anymore. I'm entering into a relationship with the God of the universe. If anything, you look more awkward not doing that than doing that. How could we pass up an opportunity to be in a relationship with a God who made us, the God that made you, the God that made me? It seems like a win to me. So as we close today, um, the Lord, Lord, I mean, the Lord is putting on my heart a, a demonstration that he wanted me to do. Like, all right, James, you know, you can, you can sit up there and shout about, don't take yourself seriously. Now, can you prove it and show that you don't take yourself seriously? And I was going back and forth with God on this. I'm like, ah, oh, God, really? Is this really the space and place to do what you're asking me to do? I was weak, so I'm like, God, I really don't want to do this. But he, every time in service, I'm like, he kept on bringing it to mind. I'm like, all right, God, I'm, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm not taking myself seriously. So here we are, now we're at this moment, like on the edge of your seat, like what are we, what's he gonna do? I'm gonna do a backflip. No, um, so I wanna share a song with you guys. And it's not just any ordinary song that we you know, typically close our, our service, services with, not that our songs are ordinary, but it's a different genre. It's, it's a rap song. And so we're like, oh my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see why I went back and forth with the Lord on this. <laughs> um, and it's by a, a Christian rapper named Lecrae. And it's a song, when I was in middle school, it's one of my favorite songs from middle school, right? So this was a while ago. Um, in middle school, just a little bit of my testimony, um, the Lord did a mighty work in me through gospel rap, through Christian rap and hip hop. No disrespect to my parents. I love my parents. They're great. No disrespect to my youth pastor. I love him. He was great. But Christian rap helped me grow my relationship with the Lord bigger than anything else in that season of middle school. That's what got my attention. That's what ignited a love for the Lord. That's what ignited a hunger for his word. Could you not? In, in sixth grade, I remember honestly getting the first sense of calling into ministry from one of the songs that Lecrae did. And I'm just like, what is this? What in the world? Why is this having a, such a, a, a profound effect on my soul right now? And this song just kept on coming to mind as I was preparing this message. Because in this song, um, Lecrae talks about Abraham taking a leap of faith. He talks about him taking a, the name of the song is called Jump. And he's talking about Abraham takes a leap of faith, right? And doesn't look back and thank God for it, right? As we've talked about. And then, then Lecrae starts talking about his own, his own journey as becoming an aspiring Christian rapper, right? That was a leap of faith. I mean, Christian rap, I mean, he's one of the ones that first pioneered the genre for Christianity. Like, it's crazy if you hear his testimony and his story. And I, I know rap might not be your music and that's fine. Um, but God is using rap and hip-hop music to reach generations. I mean, if you, if you took a survey of some of the kids, I mean, I've been a high school teacher. A lot of the kids, their top music genre of choice is hip-hop. And unfortunately, if you know anything about the hip-hop and rap industry, there's so much trash in it. So much um, worldly ideas and horrible pagan stuff being preached through these secular songs, Right? But God has, has inspired rappers like Lecrae, KB, Trip Lee, Holvey, and I can name so much more. So you know what? I want you to enter this dark space and redeem the genre for Christ. And it's working in my life personally and in the lives of so many other of the youth. And the Lord's like, all right, I want you to play that song. I'm like, okay. Actually, I want you to sing that song. I'm like, excuse me, say what? Come, come, <laughs> come again? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So... I don't take myself seriously, guys. I'm going to prove it. Um, I'm going to sing you this song. And um, I, I figured as the Lord was putting this on my heart, you know, 
I need, my, I need my boy to help me. I need my boy DJ Claim to help me. So if you can give me a favor and welcome up DJ Claim. <laughs> Dwight, if you don't know Dwight, awesome man of God. Um, one of these days, I'm sure he'll share his story, so I don't want to share it all for him. But Dwight is using um, the music ministry, Christian hip-hop and rap, to reach kids for the gospel. And it's so awesome to see. And we're going to witness some, get, get to witness some of his, um, his talent in that. And what I want you guys to do, this is different. Like I said, I'm going to clear the stage so I don't run into this or pull a hammy. Um, <laughs> this is, I just want to clarify, this is not a James show, right? If anything, I might mess this up big time, right? Um, the point of this is a demonstration of walking by faith. You know, if the Lord puts something on your heart and on your mind, um, you follow through on it. Even if it doesn't make sense, even when you don't see all the details. So as I sing this song, I really want you to, the best you can, because it's going to be loud, the best you can, think about how am I taking myself too seriously? What is God prompting in my heart to do and take a step of faith for him? So I want you to think about that. The words are going to be on the screen. It's going to go really fast. But just think, think it through what the Lord has for you in this moment. So, DJ Claim, you ready? You fire this up? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Again, Lecrae composed this song. It wasn't me. All right. Here we go. DJ Claim. Got to get deep breaths. All right. Some of us aren't stepping out in faith because we take ourselves too seriously. Let me explain to you what faith is. Check this out, y'all. It's the assurance of things hoped for. Noah built a boat for. Jesus took a beating and his whole body was broke for. Spoke for and through it. We know who the word was wrote for. Abraham had it. Matter of fact, that's what he's known for. Yeah, come Faith, on. y'all. Through it, we are saved by grace. If you have it, we can see it by the way you run the races. That means we can see it on your face. If the faith don't act, then it really ain't faith. And that really ain't the case because faith ain't faith. It'll have you trying to act out the word every day. A believer has faith. It's a gift. We should use it. Some distort the view of it and others just abuse it. It can be irrational and make you give your life up. This is for the cause of Christ and not to get a nice truck. Righteous when you know you gotta trust God when it seems hard. Man, faith is a must have. Gotta leap, y'all. You gotta leap, y'all. Take a leap of faith. You gotta leap, y'all. Come on, jump for me now. Jump for me now. Jump, jump, jump for me now. Jump for me now. You gotta leap, y'all. Gotta leap, y'all. Take a leap of faith. You gotta leap, y'all. Come on, jump for me now. For me now. Jump, jump, jump for me now. Jump for me now. Jump before you heard. Breathe in. Represent a get crunk. Tested in my faith, I didn't know if I could jump At my 9 to 5, trying to make a couple dimes But something in my soul was saying that I had to rhyme on, I was Jesus. rapping every Saturday, yeah. teaching on Sunday what? 8 a.m. again, I'm back to work another Monday Man, I was hated and what? I wasn't even faking it yeah. But they came opportunity, yeah. but me, yeah. I wasn't taking it True after show came, a couple folks came Believing work to rap was risky like the dope game yeah. And my what? mom mad at me, she said that it what? was bad for me To spend the time at school just to rap Come on, the free shows, but I had to pay bills. Lord, I want to follow, but just show me what you will. Wasn't chasing rap dreams, wasn't Thank trying to stay green. God had my back against the wall like a flat screen, urging me to trust. Lord, I wonder, but I'm scared too. Lord, I'm prepared to be broke to share you. So I followed Abraham. I told the Lord to take my hand. I took a leap of faith, and I ain't never been the same again. Yeah. Leap, y'all. Gotta leap, y'all. Take a leap of faith. You gotta leap, y'all. Come on, jump for me now. Jump for me now. Jump, jump, jump for me now. Jump for me now. You gotta leap, y'all. You gotta leap, y'all. Take a leap of faith, you gotta leap, y'all. Come on, jump for me now, jump for me now, jump, jump, jump for me now, jump for me now, jump. 
Lord's calling you to take a step of faith. The Lord is calling you to not take yourself so seriously. Let's do it for the Lord. Pastor Randy. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. That ain't gonna happen. Hey, Pastor Randy, here's what we want you to segue out of. We want you to go up after a rap, and we want you to seamlessly transition the people out of that into, into a holy moment. <laughs> It honestly um, almost brought me to tears because um, God can use anything. God can use anything and do anything and change somebody's life. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but you just heard the word of God for real. And, um, and then just for his heart, James's heart to be just so in love with Jesus and to him, for him to express it in that way. It's so beautiful. Amen. So let's stand together and we're going to, we're going to pray. Um, and I pray that you would hold on to what the Lord told you today about not taking yourself so seriously and about what that thing is, what those things are that you, um, need to put your faith in and, and increase your faith for the sake of Christ. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for, um, just bringing the word to us in such a powerful, creative, unique way. Thank you, Lord, for how um, you have the victory <laughs> in all things. Um, this world can try and contaminate and destroy things, uh, but you are a creator. You make all things new. And uh, Lord, thank you for uh, Brother James Hart and just how he laid it out here on the platform this morning for us and how it's just another example of a faithful walk with you. Uh, Lord, may we be challenged, may we be convicted, may we be encouraged to go now and live out our faith in a new, newer, a bigger, a fresher way for you. We give you praise and thanks for this time we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, before you go,